0: Hey, DirtCast listeners, we've got a recast for you. It's our interview with Irene McGee of Real World Seattle about the slap heard round the world. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. And as always, thank you for listening and enjoy. Hello, and welcome back to
1: an all new episode of DirtCast. I am your host, Madeline Davies. I am excited to be here. We took last week off. It was the 4th of July. Maybe you celebrated. Maybe you thought now is not the time to celebrate being American, and that's fair. Um, But here's what we can celebrate. A really good episode. We have Jezebel's own staff writer, Megan Reynolds.
0: Hello, I'm Megan Reynolds, Jezebel's own staff writer, and I'm very, very excited to be here (laughs) on this podcast.
1: Uh, And Megan will be helping me discuss the dirtiest dirt of the week. Can't wait. Later in the episode, we have... Irene McGee from The Real World Seattle as our guest this week, and she just has some really amazing insights, and she also was a part of this very profound moment in reality television uh, in the late 90s.
2: One night, Rebecca and I were roommates, and we started whispering to each other, and that's how we found out our rooms were mic'd.
0: But first, I would like to know, how are you? It's a rough week because last week was very short. Yes, last week was only three days. And this is a real sort of kick in the pants. Yeah, we got to get going. Got to get going. <laughs> <sighs> we'll do it. We'll be fine. Yeah. We always are.
1: I mean, the good news is that we have kind of like the greatest mystery of our time really unraveling honestly.
0: in front of us. In real time, almost. Just like, it's, I mean, twists and turns at every every day, every hour. And so we're going to be discussing it right now. I can't
1: on wait. On The Dirtiest Dirt. So, Lena Dunham Mm. and her dog, Lambie, Mm. it was a tumultuous relationship while it lasted. It was. It was. She fed
0: it a salmon salad, I think, off of a plate at a restaurant. like a sidewalk cafe. Yeah. In front of many people. Um, It had some biting issues. Many biting issues. Well-documented biting issues. Yes. Um, on Instagram. She Instagrammed a picture of her
1: bloody butt. Right. That the dog had bitten, which you just wonder how it got
0: there. I just, you know? I mean, I had some questions about that specific picture. Sure, later. Um, well, I looked at, well, after all this stuff happened, I looked at that picture and I was like, you know, that kind of looks like it could have been her period. That's what I thought right? it was. Okay. I thought it was
1: like a free bleeding picture, which is very like, her.
0: Exactly. But it was a little pre like free bleeding. It was a little before free bleeding really like gained traction, yeah. I suppose. But that that made
1: it stain on made the it. Oil. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> That no, but that t- I thought that was weird. <laughs>
1: yeah, so weird. But
0: in any case, so there was some biting, potential biting on the bottom. Yeah, of behavioral Lena Dunham, issues. Uh, pissing in his own mouth. Yeah, it had. Yeah, the dog peed in its own mouth which i still no one has um adequately explained that to me and i'd, I'd love i'd love to read just like 200 words on like how and why that's all yeah like like let's quick, get a vet on that i love i would love that one thing that's interesting is that lena loves
1: to talk about lambie and mm-hmm. she's been talking about him for a long time mm-hmm. years and yes. she recently got two i think like purebred poodles two little
0: like tiny like toy like what are the a teacup who like little fluffy things, little yeah. teddy bear animals. and suddenly like
1: Lambie's kind of not around anymore. And everybody's wondering,
0: where's Lamby?
1: Where's Lambie? So valid question. Right. I mean everyone. I mean, <laughs> the every, question on everyone. I, mean, I hear
0: it on the subway. I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. everyone. <laughs> where is Lamby?
1: Buskers are just like
0: <laughs> they have songs about Yeah, it. they're bongo drums. I mean, we find but we now we have a we have an answer we as have to an where Lambi is. And in a very cool Instagram post that the copy of which was like, I don't know, like three paragraphs long. Yeah, we cut
1: it down a little bit. She, Do you want to
0: read it? Please go for it. Oh, my God. Great. Well, you know, honesty is my jam, but this one has been really heartbreaking to talk about. But I feel I have to share that last March, after four years of challenging behavior and aggression that could not be treated with training or medication or consistent loving dog ownership... Lamby went to live at an amazing professional facility in Los Angeles, at Matt the Zen Dog, where an <laughs> awesome person named, <laughs> at the real Danisheh, uh, sorry if I, mm, who is educated in a rescue dog specific trauma, loves him so hard. Lamby suffered terrible abuse as a pup that made having him in a typical home environment dangerous to him and others. We needed to be responsible to ourselves. Our neighbors and especially our beloved boy. There were so many lessons in it about forgiving myself and loving with an open palm and giving in to a larger plan.
1: I have a couple thoughts Can't, off the bat. Please, first, Danny Shea definitely sounds like a Vanderpump Rules character. Yeah, like <laughs> the, you know, it's like Danny with an eye.
0: Yeah. you <laughs> right. She's a real bitch. That's a good. That's a good point. I'm I'm assessing Danny Shea's Instagram right now. Oh it's a post about Lammy. <laughs> the first thing is like a photo gallery of Lammy. so he's fine you say lammy which is probably the right way of saying I don't want, it because it's like a lamb lammy but lamby i mean lamby reminds me of like short for a lamborghini yeah i think which i kind I of like that like. I think of the dog. yeah yeah i like that um um i mean the animal like the poor yeah. like the victim yeah and he kind of like has like a, a
1: lamb look i guess he has people eyes does,
0: he's a dog with a person face that's always haunting to me it does freak me out i mean yeah. i'm sure he's very nice i guess i mean apparently not uh, i mean <laughs> i take that back he's a dick
1: um the other thing <laughs> i immediately take issue with is there were so many lessons in it about forgiving myself and loving with an open palm um yeah one has like being overly forgiving to herself ever been like something that lena dunham couldn't do
0: yeah, that's a really, that's a really good point because I think the answer is never. Yeah, unless she, she like does lives it in a state of like being like unapologetic. Yeah, like unapologetic and like this is me, like meh, and, yeah. which is great. I mean, cool, but like give it a rest. Right. Quite exhausting. Yeah, we, let, we need. You need a break. You need a break. You need to like go to Bali for like two to three months. Ooh, honestly. Yeah. And just. I mean, everyone does. We all should. Let's yeah. Go. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> let's leave. We're just gonna book tickets right now
1: to <laughs> Bali. So um, our next podcast will be on release on Balinese. I can't time. wait.
0: It's gonna be so fun. I'm already planning my outfits.
1: But as much as we're like, shut up, Lena. We're also yeah. like, keep going because it gets more complicated. It was so
0: juicy. I mean, so this, so all of this happened. I feel like I had also been sort of kind of wondering what happened to the dog. Yeah, because she, like, intermittently will post pictures of him. Well, so the dog has an Instagram account and it has a Twitter. And if you go through, like, the timeline. 2017, huh? I mean, my God. Look at (laughs) (laughs) – how blessed are we? (laughs) So blessed. But if you – she's – someone, her, I assume, is still posting – Instagram photos and captions and tweets as Lammy, even though, as we will soon find out, Lammy hasn't been in the picture for what, how long? Like When she says last March, we
1: discovered, she means 2016 yeah. March. She doesn't mean like a, couple months, a ago.
0: couple months ago. She means, so Lammy has not been in her life on a day-to-day basis for over a year. Yeah. And yet she continues to maintain his social media presence, which is very bleak, I think. Like, really dark. Like, a little, like, wow. That's, like, another, that's, like, a separate issue, I think. It's like if,
1: like, a celebrity went to, what was, like, the famous rehab from the oh. mid ots The Cir- Cir- Promises? Cirque, or, like, it's a Cirque Lodge, I think, is what oh, it's called. not it's, like, Promises
0: in Malibu? No, this is where, like,
1: uh, Kirsten Dunst went. Oh, right, and, like, okay. Yeah. yeah, I think it's mm. called Cirque. And mm-hmm. it's just, like, if someone was just still tweeting
0: as them, like, everything's fine. Yeah, it's their assistant being, like, I'm great, like, Guys, it's okay. Like, it's fine. We all stumble. We all stumble. Everyone falls and everyone gets right back up. Not, I mean. I mean most sometimes people. you got to lie
1: there for a while. You do. I can respect, <clears throat> if anybody can respect a wallow, yes. it's me. Perfect. But you don't get to wallow for a year and change Mm-mm. about a dog that you gave up. Right. <laughs> and then it, it also, like, has come out since then that she, like, has a story about uh, Lammy being mm-hmm. abused by various Owners like and, three owners prior yeah. to her, yeah. Um, and then the shelter that she got him from, Bark, uh-huh. mm-hmm. uh, released a statement that was just like, "What? Like, what are you talking yeah, about?" Like, I'm, I'm... We have like, like they have a record of yeah where the dog was, and <laughs> it was a surrender, and it only had one family before. Yep. And I'm... apparently, it didn't even have any
0: behavioral issues at the time. Well, the other thing that they said there's so the Yahoo story came out like what was that on Friday? Uh, Yeah, I think that was Friday. It was all late last week. Right. So the story came out from Yahoo News, of all places, that was basically they talked to someone at Bark at the dog shelter who disputed, like, every single thing that she said.
1: (laughs) And was so salty. He wasn't just like—this guy wasn't just like, oh, this is wrong. He was just, like, threw a bunch of, like, digs about girls
0: in there. Oh, yeah. He, like—and he, like—but, I mean, they— Like, animal rescue places, they really care about these animals. They will have all of the receipts. They will have sheafs and sheafs of paper and things and photographs. Right. To, like, if anyone comes for—don't come for a rescue facility. Like, don't. Right. And it's, like, people who have
1: genuinely devoted their lives Mm -hmm. to uh, the rehabilitation and care of animals. Yep. And then to just be, (laughs) like—and one, like, you are supposed to, if you end up surrendering your rescue dog— you are like it's explicit that you were supposed to bring it back, bring it back to the rescue because the rescue has Knows all of its records do, and, right. and, you know,
0: because you're not just going to like get the dog and be like, oh, yeah. And then, no, they have to. That's their job. That's like part of their job is a good rescue facility. Is but I to, guess
1: Lammy gets to go to a Zen center where <laughs> you can do Tracy Anderson workout <laughs> videos and meditate. uh for several hours a day. <gasps>
0: Lammy eats like acai bowls, but for dogs, it's whatever like the, that would be.
1: the madman finale where like oh, Don yeah. Draper is meditating on
0: the mountain. At Esalon, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that is, I mean, given everything we've learned about Lammy in the past uh, week or so, I'd like to think that he is not looking at Twitter no, yeah. Definitely not paying attention to Instagram. Just like away from all of this, you just know? Just like
1: wearing a bathrobe and like chain smoking yeah. while like holding a paper cup Th- full of coffee.
0: Mm-hmm. That's what I'd like to just Die staring. Staring a cup. What am I'm I talking <laughs> about? <laughs> staring over a beautiful vista. Oh. The Pacific crashing in the distance. And he doesn't hear any of this.
1: I just want to read some quotes from the spokesperson of Bark, Robert Vasquez. Uh, we checked the records for Lammy. He was owner surrendered not enough time, so we do not know where she got the multiple owners that abused the dog. And that's in quotes because <laughs> she uh, wrote that in a New York New Yorker piece in
0: 2013. Which is insane. Yeah, like that's a crazy thing to make up. It's like four years ago. How long has <laughs> she been lying about this?
1: Also just like, how? I
0: keep making that up.
1: Like, look, look at how we've, like, devoted our lives where it's like, oh, four years, that just <laughs> flew by. I know. We're still talking about I Lena Dunham.
0: Does that mean she won? Oh, she won Ugh, so long. Right. Ago. Yeah, I know.
1: But then he continues, um, when she adopted the dog from us, it wasn't crazy. I have pictures of the dog loving on Lena and her mom, which is weird if the dog was abused. It wouldn't be cuddling with her or be in the bed with her and then, in quotes, boyfriend <laughs> that's
0: my favorite. Uh, in the pages that's, of
1: Vogue. That's the best part. And that's referencing, like, a photo shoot she did with Adam Driver, who is her boyfriend on Girls. And then this is actually, I think, the best quote mm-hmm. of them all for me. Okay. It's just hard to believe the dog was nasty when she took Lammy to every green room with her when girls was still a thing four years ago. <laughs> yes. Like, ooh, like that was
0: that was amazing on like so many love uh, that was my favorite part as well.
1: Like this guy's like real housewife tagline would be like, uh, <laughs> like, I may work with rescue dogs, but I'm the real bitch. Yeah. You know, like that yes. type of thing.
0: <gasps> um, listen, he guy's got a point. It is like one of like that is a thing where
1: sometimes like dogs have a honeymoon period and yeah. then they're like, you know, it's like I'm not saying that Lammy didn't have uh, his share of behavioral well, we issues. Right. We, don't we don't know. We don't know for sure. We weren't we're in not Lena's Lammy. house. I mean, thank God.
0: Yeah, we were not Lammy. We were not Lammy. I am not <laughs> Lammy. You are not Lammy. Thank God. Again. I
1: mean, we, that could be like a good campaign. Like I am Lammy. Oh,
0: my God. We can start that you after see, this. Lammy. Oh, my God. <laughs> we can start that after this, I think.
1: I just I just love that the whole thing is like kept going where it's like then the trainer is like, actually Lena did try. Oh, and right. then the shelter was like,
0: No, she didn't. It just keeps coming it's, back. It's just this ridiculous now. It's after so Lena made her initial like whatever, her the first Instagram post. Then the shelter responded. Then it's just become like this ridiculous, like he said she said. Yeah. But all of Lena's responses have been via Instagram which is my personal favorite like celebrity response it's second to the notes app but it's yeah. like pretty it's pretty good.
1: It's like the the sweet spot is when they screen grab the notes yes. app then put yes. it on Instagram. And then
0: we'll write like an additional caption that's almost just as long if not longer than the <laughs> notes app. Does does the Instagram caption have a character limit? I really feel like it should.
1: It should. It should just be like I don't know, one you, short you paragraph. You shouldn't
0: have to click the thing that says more. Yeah. You should not, it should cut off right above that. You should not be allowed to do anything else because who's going to be, re- I mean, many people, I've read them each like five times. It's fine. But yeah. I mean, if people. the Instagram developers are listening. Hello. Add that. We we have a request. Yeah. <laughs> We're
1: very powerful. Please fix this. Oh, I also love that her like second response, it's like basically like a child's watercolor of lamb. Oh she's like, I walk past this in my hallway like, every, every day. day. And she's like, she's like, there's a lot of uh, bullshit stories about me in the news and I usually stay quiet, but not this time. No,
0: like, I'm speaking up. Like, are you? When have you ever been quiet about anything? I asked you to be quiet numerous times just in private. (laughs) yeah, And it's never happened. And, And now.
1: She is like the perfect example of someone who like, I've always felt like Girls was neither worthy of the scorn or praise where I was like, it's like a decent show. It's fine. Like, it's fine. Yeah. But she is a person who like can't let her art speak for itself. Correct. And so it anything like she does that is cool or interesting mm-hmm. like gets completely uh, overshadowed. Yeah, because you're just like Ugh, I'm gonna have to deal with some weird fallout from this.
0: I mean, and I don't know. I guess I can understand that impulse to sort of make the thing and then make a big fuss around the thing in the sort of performative way that she does. But you would think that after girls had been successful. Then like fall back, right? Like just let, let it, it go. Just do the show. And then also it's like then your your haters look stupid. If yep. you're just like yeah, if guess you're quiet what? My about it. successful exactly. Eat a dick, you know. Eat a dick, one hundred percent. But she um is physically inca- It appears that she's physically incapable of doing that. Yeah, I mean, I pro- i probably I probably am too. I just have never had,
1: like, a Lena Dunham success. You've never had. So I'm just like, I'm it's sure coming. if someone, if I made something, someone was like, oh, I have an edit. I would be like, you shut up. Like,
0: flip a table.
2: You're, you're victimizing
0: me. <laughs> Post Instagram videos of you sobbing. Yeah. <laughs> just, like, for hours. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Lena will not tolerate the uh,
1: speculation
0: She's about— She's not here for it. About Lammy. Lammy, but— um, She responded on Instagram, then the trainer— Basically everyone's and then weighing kind in of and now like, we're doing it. And now we're here. <laughs> it's
1: come full circle. full circle. Or not full circle. I don't know. It's
0: just I mean, it will like everything else, something else will rise to the top. Yeah. And, um, and Lammy, I'm I'm praying for you. I mean always. I have been for, for years, Lammy. <laughs> if you can hear me. <laughs>
1: really excited, sitting across from me as someone who I kind of have known my whole life, not in person, but just as like a figure. Uh, she is a comedian. She is a writer. She's a storyteller. She has a one-woman show called Me, Myself, and Irene. She was, of course, on The Real World Seattle. We have Irene McGee in the studio. Hey! Can
2: I do my own applause break? Yeah, you can. <laughs> that was such a great intro.
1: I also have to tell you that My family has always really been on your side. Like, we've always been, like, Irene fans.
2: Really? The whole family?
1: My mom, my stepdad, and I would watch Real World Seattle, and we were like, she's so funny, and she's so cute, and she's so wry, and, like, we all really loved you.
2: That is so sweet. You know, that is really funny you say that because I feel like— You know, obviously, I was very, very likable until the mysterious departure. Right. Where they had me in, like, nine different outfits from an edit, you know, and then, like, being like, I'm crazy and I'm leave. And and it makes me feel so warm inside to know that people still like me after those departure shows.
1: It's weird that, like, of that season— the things that I remember is one, I remember like being really charmed by your friendship with Nathan, because I think it kind of fulfilled this weird like, oh, she's like quirky and he's like a handsome jock and they're friends. Like,
2: yeah, 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 it, like, yeah, totally.
1: Um, Yeah. And then also like you were kind of like you had Lyme disease on reality television before it was cool. A thing. Yeah. And before it thing. became Lyme
2: disease. I'm actually doing something this month for Lyme disease awareness. Hopefully I get it out there. Hopefully.
1: The for the deer,
2: for the deer, yeah. That's I mean, good. well, no, actually, I recently test positive again. Oh my god, for like the fourth time in my life, and obviously it's the same case, but the way the CDC would record it, it's like
1: Just a the new fourth. case.
2: Okay, so wow. it's a real problem. Yeah, because definitely. people like me have it haunting them for twenty years. Yeah. So, that's awful. I'm sorry. I know, but I have a brilliant idea. You You're going to be Lay the first person I'm pitching it to. Are you ready? Yeah, br-
1: break it break it here.
2: Okay, so like Lyme disease the main symptom is fatigue. Yes. Did you know that? Did and like that. back aches and just like flu, right? Right. And they call it an invisible illness because we're always at home in bed. Right. And it's not like you look like death. Right. Just, well, I'm, well, we just become flakes. Like yeah. socially, you'd invite me out. I'd say yes. And then I'm in bed. I can't really go. But in our beds, we're not really powerful. And then I was thinking about all the challenges, you know, the ice bucket challenge. I don't want, I don't want, yeah. What can we do? They have this bite of lime. Did, have you ever heard of it? No. Exactly. Exactly. No one, it's been going for three years. I love the ambition, but it's, if something that, you know, you're an internet person. If it doesn't yeah. go viral. It doesn't exist. stop. And so I thought we would have a nap on Washington. we just take a nap on the Washington Mall. It, I, wouldn't that be powerful? It would be powerful and comfortable. And comfortable. And if you can't come, you can just wear pajamas. And yeah. who wouldn't take a nap for Lyme disease?
1: <laughs> I mean, I yeah, I would take a nap for like— Anything. Yeah, you could just be like— my new causes.
2: And could you imagine the taglines? It's it's just like, come to bed with me. I mean, that would be maybe not with me, but with anybody. Sure. But I'm saying like, it's really hashtagable, but I want to go. Okay. Back. We're going yeah. to
1: 1997. where you young Irene?
2: Young Irene,
1: our college student. Yeah.
2: No, you're right. I guess auditions were 1997. Okay.
1: Go. So tell me like what brought you to the auditions and what the auditions were like. I'm going to tell you
2: the real story, which I've never really told. This oh is a real God. story. I had probably a Lyme feverish sleep one day when I was, like, a year earlier, and I woke up and I was like, I think I'm supposed to be on that show, The Real World, which was weird because I had never seen—like, I was—I didn't have a TV. I never had a TV in college, like— For me, like being in a bunch of rooms with people while they're watching Party of Five or 90210, I was like, oh, no, I want to hang out and talk. Like, I don't want to—I hate this, like, commercial break talk. But, like, I had studied abroad in England, and I got back with all my Georgetown friends, and we were all talking about what we wanted to do when we grew up. And, you know, they're all very ambitious, like, politicians. I want to do finance. it's like Georgetown. Yeah, and lost little Irene says— I had this dream that I think I'm supposed to go on the real world. And I remember their faces were like, what? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I just, I think I'm supposed to go on. One of the people that was at that meetup, she left a message on my answering machine, like a play a button answering machine on my telephone because there was no cell phones that said, she had heard on the radio an announcement for real world tryouts, and she left a message on my answering machine and said, "This is your big shop, baby. They're in DC." And I called a few friends and they were going. So I was just on a lark completely, said, "Okay, I'm gonna go." Like, <laughs> and I had toe rings on. i I had what I called it my uniform in college. I had, like, a holy gray T-shirt. I wore a white T-shirt underneath. I got G- – all of these clothes, by the way, were given to me by, like, my rich friends. Yeah. They were, like, hand-me-downs I from them. I think then. I still
1: am like that, which I'm is, like – still
2: like that totally today. Like, I go to people's houses. I'm like, oh, wait, you're donating. Let me see your yeah. first. Oh, I'll go through that bag. I can't bag. help it. I can't <laughs> yeah. help it. I can't believe the things I get rid of. So I'm – and that was my uniform. I wore it every day at Georgetown. Like, just woke up, wore the same jeans, T-shirt, gray T-shirt over top. That was my look. You know, toe rings, hair down. The line was insane. I mean, it, and every—you it, it, know, it ran the gamut. Like, but I would say most people were super dressed up. I yeah. mean, it must have been a bunch of—it's co- a college mecca. So it's sure. like Georgetown, George Washington, American, like— it was huge. It was a huge thing. And I had a midterm. So I only filled out like one answer. And at the time, I wanted to be on road rules. Although, as luck would have it, I did not get cast for road rules, which is fantastic. Because at the time, I thought like that would be more fun. Right. Like adventuring. But now it's like, oh, no, I just would have been on a bikini a lot on national TV. That would have been also way just too. like For as
1: trapped as you probably felt in the Seattle house, like if you were in an RV. In a bikini. No. I just think
2: the whole in a bikini yeah, thing. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. <laughs> So anyway, um, I answered. They said, if you could bring one suitcase, what would you pack? And I said, um, my blow dryer and my Paul Mitchell conditioner and my Paul Mitchell gel. There's an underrepresentation of curly-haired people on national television. And if I go on TV and I need my hair to look good. And what's so funny (laughs) is that people don't know is in the scene, all full circle, when I leave the show— I'm carrying a giant tub. That tub is Paul Mitchell. (laughs) That's
1: your curly hair product. Yeah, I would
2: go to, like, real hair places where, like, hairdressers. Yeah. So I could buy in bulk because it was cheaper because Paul Mitchell was, that was super high-end back then. I mean,
1: as a fellow curly, like, I get that it's, you got to spend extra.
2: So that is how I ended up auditioning. And basically, they must have seen me because I was was studying under a tree and maybe— or they liked my answer. Yeah, they it must was like have a had funny people answer. People scouting, who knows? And they put my friends to go to the right, and I said, "I have to go. I have a midterm. Like I have to go." Yeah. And they were like, "No, we really need you to stay." And they sent me to the left.
1: It feels like the CIA or like even this, like the TSA where it's just like, no, you have to go into the other room.
2: And then I sat down with the director and we laughed and we joked and I said, I have to leave. Here's my number. I can't stay. I did not yeah. there was no—it was just one-way trust. Like, here's my number. I have to go take a midterm.
1: Yeah, I'm still in college. I'm still in
2: college, and I need to graduate. Right,
1: real world's not going to pay the bills. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know what you thought back then, but you yeah. didn't really know how the process worked. Right. I didn't know necessarily that they really don't pay you or— That's, yeah, that's I mean, I think at that age, you're still— even now, they say your prefrontal cortex doesn't develop until you're 25. You're not, like, fully an adult. Yeah. And, I, and I think that's true. Like, it definitely was true with me. To me, it was just, oh, I could live in an amazing mansion with hot guys. I mean, yeah, I think right. Those <laughs> were the priorities, right?
1: Yeah. So you gave your number to the director. Mm-hmm. And then he contacts you and is like, we want you.
2: Yeah, I mean, I went home with my friend Kathy and uh, and my other friend, and, and to hear the stories they told, like, one of my friends, not Kathy, Kathy just was like, really went for moral support, but one of my friends told a story of how she gave a, like, head to some lead musician, and I was like, that's what you said? Like, I'm never going to get on this show. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, what did they ask you? And I was like, well, they asked if I had sex, and I said, that's a little personal for our first meeting, don't you think? Yeah. <laughs> It is. Right? Yeah. And he started to laugh. And then I said, how many people answer that question? And he said, everyone.
1: They're so willing to just...
2: And I was like, well, I'm
1: not. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I'm going to keep it in.
2: <laughs> yeah, so it's a very long audition process back then. I, I can't imagine it was like that now. Yeah. But back then, you you definitely... I mean, I think there were seven auditions. They, like, called my nana. They called friends at school. They called my parents. Yeah, you know, it was just a very... I mean, I guess that was the idea of a background check. I mean,
1: I guess now it's probably just like, a, a hey, yeah. A real criminal
2: record background check. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But I, think I feel from- like
1: it's also probably just like, oh, do you like to get fucked up and have a really volatile right. personality? Great, you're on. Like,
2: right. oh, and you're hot. Okay, Oh, fine, you're, hot. you're on. Right, right, <laughs> right, right, right. I know. It's just like a plastic surgery check.
1: Um, I do want to move forward a little bit to like when you're in the house. And you've written mm. about this. You wrote a really good Vulture piece a couple of
2: years ago. Oh, thank you. You know, that piece changed my life. Really? It really did because I had never really spoken about it. And when I did No One's Listening, it was great because it was this podcast and I was sort of, I never had to be Irene from the real world. It was like, I was just Irene. And most of the people that listened to my show were tech people or media nerds, but they didn't, there was no marketing it as who I was. You know what I mean? And it was pretty brave of me to do. I thought so. Um. And it really took a lot. Like, I definitely read it to my therapist a lot. before <laughs> I was like, do you like this line? Okay, like, I was like, I'm not an editor. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Because it was it was this hard to, like, you know, publicly talk about why I said what I said to Steven or but I didn't really address it. But yeah. just sort of to even publicly talk about it, I had never done. So,
1: I mean, just to like set this very horrible scene. Right. You're leaving the house. Right. You walk out with Steven. Mm -hmm. You kind of make a joke about how a marriage between the two of you wouldn't work. Because maybe that was an earlier reference. And you say, because you're a homosexual. Mm -hmm. And at the time he was not out. He's now married to a man. And then he goes back into the house, takes the stuffed animal of yours that he had stolen, throws it in the... No, no. No, He he
2: called me a bitch first.
1: And
2: bitch was not a word you could say on TV then.
1: Yeah. um, He called me
2: a bitch and they aired that. For like the tenth time. Yes. Yeah, and then and he, everybody's fine with a female being called a bitch. Apparently. Oh yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, to like, this day. To this day, they're like she outed him, but it's like oh, but he got to call me a bitch day and night, and nobody took issue to that. <laughs>
1: right. Um. Yeah. And then he stops your car as you're pulling mm-hmm. away to leave the show.
2: Opens the car. Open door.
1: palm hits you right in the face. Yeah. I told Levi, our producer, and he agreed, like, we're not gonna play the clip just because it's an ugly... It's an ugly moment. And it's
2: just... It's ugly. It's awful. And it's... It was an ugly... Listen, I... It's funny to me that, like... Like, even the comments... Yahoo just uh, wrote a story about it yesterday. And, um... You know, the comments are just very he said, she said, like Irene shouldn't have done this. I would have slapped her in the face too. I get a lot of that in comments. Like I would hit her. Even on my comedy thing, people are just like, I would have hit her harder. Somebody wrote, That's insane. Yeah. I mean, it's how women are treated in media is horrendous. Yeah. And equally horrendous reality television has allowed a space for the other, meaning that it's a, it's a space with lots of women. It's a space with lots of different races, different, you know, genders, like different, you know, orientations. orientations. Yeah. So, so in some ways, reality TV has like pushed boundaries of things that people never saw before. But I would argue that we're still in, like, the circus clown type role. Well,
1: you referenced, too, the
2: uh,
1: Jersey Shore in the piece for Vulture that you wrote. You rec- you referenced Snooki getting punched and how that was what they were promoting the season based on. Is like, look at this idiot get punched in the face.
2: Yeah, and there was an outcry. But there was no way to outcry back then. Right. That's what I there mean. There was like, no internet. T- there was no, like, immediate reaction. Like, now these shows have a responsibility because there's an immediate reaction And what makes me really sad is that nobody thinks, like, there was a thing on Survivor where one of the guys took out a guy who who was transgender. Yeah, he outed him as trans. And it's like, again, he said that, but the show outed him. Yeah. Like, in all fairness, this guy was pushed to an extreme. He was starving. I'm not saying what he did was right. Right. But 100%, it's the show. They own the edit. Like, if they genuinely thought, that Stephen, you know, John Murray is a gay man.
1: Uh, John Murray, the executive producer and co creator of The Real World.
2: If he genuinely cared about Stephen's sexual orientation and how this might come across for his life or his universe or his world, it did not have to be aired. Yeah. Period. I went, yeah. And they didn't have to air me getting hit. No. I mean, it could have just been like, Irene leaves the show, and and I'm just sort of called a bitch a lot on the way out. And and I think it's just a power move. Like, I think the same way this Bachelor in Paradise, which if people don't know what's going on with Bachelor in Paradise, I wrote some really hilarious tweets about it. Did you see them? (laughs) I did. They're funny. (laughs) You should read some. But anyway— In Bachelor in Paradise, the show gets canceled. We don't really know why. There's a producer apparently who complained. And it's sort of being insinuated that there was a potential sexual encounter that may not have been.
1: Um, that both parties were considered too drunk to properly consent.
2: Right, says the producer. And I always think, like, to be a crew member of a reality show, to own a show is different. But a crew member, those are like— Those are people that are, like, so desperate for cash. There's student loans. Like, this is, like, the lowest of low you can get in, like, your career. As Nobody says, I want to have a camera so I can film reality TV. You know, they all want to make their documentary or work on a real TV show that's fictional or work in the movies. Like, nobody wants to be the the camera guy to reality. It's still pretty much the lowest (laughs) of the rung of... Uh, big media jobs. In fact, I have friends who have done it, and like they hide it on their resume. Right. <laughs> it's just like what you do in between if you need cash. So I was thinking, like, gosh, they actually found a producer that would complain. Like that means she had her student loan paid off. Like that's incredible. Yeah. Like, <laughs> because she wasn't afraid entirely of her career. Yeah. But the odd thing is, you know, it's gotten it's gotten this weird show way more publicity than it ever would have. Right.
1: I and, mean, I wrote a thing about how it's, like, they accomplished what no no one ever has been able to do and that it, like, made people take Bachelor in Paradise seriously, which, like, no one has ever thought of it in a critical way before.
2: Right. You mean as far as it's, I mean, like, a I show, mean, yeah. I mean,
1: critics. Like, people, you right. know, media critics are something like, ooh, well, what is, you right, know, what's they're above the— it, They're yeah. above it.
2: They're above it. Journalists always follow the same tip, right? Yeah. So, like, they're above—you know, they might write this show, but they're not going to cover this because they think they're above—
1: that genre also good news jezebel not never above, above anything it. i know but we'll get wife, him that much.
2: <laughs> so yeah so i you know i take real issue because it's definitely the show ha- and the network have figured out a way to blame it on these two people yeah which is insane to me do you yeah. know why because the person feeding them alcohol was hired by the crew right. like this is an island created for the show.
1: And this is not the first time this has happened. It's what the show is based on, yeah, is people and, getting drunk and hooking up.
2: And and I think, like, this concept of, like, oh, well, they chose on their own to get so drunk. Who knows how much food they had available? I mean, when I moved into the real-world house, they had Vlasic pickles. Oddly, that was a sponsor. <laughs> Because uh, th- they really wanted to get the younger demo. Those oh, yeah. Were, you know, really good crunch on those v- plastic pickles and alcohol. Like, that's yeah. what you moved into the house and there was no food. There was, they weren't like, let's give them some carbs.
1: I mean, that's the thing, right? It's sleep deprivation, Yeah. alcohol, lack of food. And then people, then you're like, they went crazy. Like, yeah. what's wrong with that person? I mean, that
2: alone is a hard thing to. And then on top of it, they sort of set everybody against each other. And I mean, I I look at how, like, passionate I was and still am about media. And yet I see the needle going the wrong way. Right.
1: like the production manipulations inside the house like because it sounds like one you were never fully alone which would drive me psycho Um, yeah
2: I mean I got a yeast infection that's a weird thing to say on Jezebel but yeah I mean I actually think that's a really
1: natural thing to say on Jezebel it's a very natural
2: (laughs) thing I know I love Jezebel I have to talk to you about Jezebel I have like a crush on Jezebel yeah and I just remember like having to go to the store and then thinking like how am I gonna go to the store how am I gonna you know hide this and the crew is all guys and I don't then they're not that much older than me and right and Yeast infection stuff was like, a, I mean, now we're just going to be like, she's, how do you, whatever. But it happens. I mean, we all have. We all have, right? That was, but there was no three-day miracle here or right. one day. Back then it was just like you were committed to 14 days Ugh. of, of, and I was just so embarrassed and like hiding it under my bed. And then oddly finding out, like one night Rebecca and I were roommates and we started whispering to each other. And that's how we found out our rooms were mic Oh, because camera people came out and they were like, we have to mic you if you're going to have a conversation like we didn't know our beds were mic'd. So it was really an interesting time.
1: It feels like this like it's like a weird it's a slightly less intense version of like the Stanford Prison Experiment. Where it's You know, just what's like- funny
2: is I went to grad school and I studied that. And and what's very sick is they've tried to do the Stanford Prisoner Experiment as a reality TV show. And it had to get canceled.
1: Stanford Prison Experiment was uh, this very controversial experiment that happened at Stanford where a class was divided into uh, prisoners and prison guards and kept in very close quarters. And it took a very, very short amount of time for the prison guards to become. Very abusive, and it got violent very quickly. Right, violent. They had to stop it. Yeah, Yeah. they they became
2: abusive. They really took their power to roll on, and yeah, I mean where reality TV is now is just horror. In some ways, it's horrifying, and and I think the thing that is upsetting to me personally the most is that. The ability for the viewers to still buy into the notion that the cast, it's the cast's fault. Yeah. Like you chose to be on it. You should know. Right. Like people to me say, well, people today know. And yeah. I'm like, you definitely don't know. Right. Right. You and I get along right now. Yes. Totally. Right. We would leave this door and be friends. I'm telling you, if we were on this show, we would get along at first. And then you'd have, a you know, a director interview you. And they'd say, we just interviewed Irene. She may have said this. What do you think about that? It, yeah. And it, it makes you paranoid. Um, well, we'd well, also they... be set up to fight, right? Yeah. There's, a, there's a radio station. You can only have three DJs. And, and they did other things, t- you know, and everybody wants to be a DJ. And then they did other things to make you fight. So they had like a you know a fictionalized uh, scavenger hunt yeah that was impossible to finish and we're broken up into teams and but more importantly and i think this is the thing that is the to to keep the cameras on you you know if you're being interesting so yeah. say we're having this conversation yeah and you and i are chit-chatting if there was a camera here and all of a sudden the crew walked out you'd feel really terrible about yourself. Right. You'd it's be like, like, oh, I'm boring. I, oh, I'm yeah. boring. This interview is not going good. And when people say that they don't remember the cameras there, like, they'd have to have a partial lobotomy. Right. That's what I've always, like, There's there's like, oh, a you forget. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> that's ridiculous. I right. mean, and that is just a way that producers and people who encourage this stuff— try and justify it like right. oh these people know these people forget and they start to act like themselves and and i would say the reverse is true i think you become this i or i found it with the cast like maybe came these alter peaceful to themselves of who they thought she'd be yeah like as soon as the camera was there i don't think there was any time where people were like themselves necessarily
1: i mean it's that whole idea about like observation changes something just by the you nature know, of observing, right? I had to right? ask
2: somebody as an adult, I, which I said, you know, when you're at a wedding, you know how the wedding photographers go away yeah. and go around and you're supposed to like just because, talk like yeah. natural <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you're like drinking your wine? So I asked a friend, I was like, do you see, like, you see the cameras too, right? Like, this is, he's like, yeah, everybody is. And I'm like, so we're just acting natural with the camera. Like holding
1: your stomach in a little bit more. But you always
2: change your pose. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, it kind of sounds like you started to become really frustrated with those manipulations and stopped cooperating with them. Yes.
2: Yeah. I mean, I definitely said to the cast, we're getting pitted against each other. We would get along. Right. You know, I mean, all of them. I could take each separate one of them and I have hung out with some of them after the show. They're great people. Like, right. there's nothing wrong. In fact, I would even say Stephen and I got along. Like, it it's just that in that environment. Right. So part of the problem, the lead up to, like, me leaving and whatever was if somebody's yelling at you, in normal life, you don't. Yell back, or you might leave, or you're gonna. Yeah, meeting. but there, it just sort of seems like you don't stick up for yourself, right? You like,
1: it, yeah, and it's it, also like you're not going to be able to have your say,
2: right? You also know you can be screwed in the interviews too. Right, it's a very interesting concept that other people can tell your story for you, and it's from their lens, and yeah. it's not always true. So there was this thing that like is there's two things that have happened recently in reality TV, which are really upsetting to me. And one was, there was this Real Housewives of Atlanta recently where one cast member accused the other all season of trying to frame her to drug her and- Portia Williams. Right, (laughs) to drug her and rape her or have sex with her or whatever. You should understand that drugging somebody while they're drinking
0: and taking them home is rape. Y'all accuse me of being a
2: rapist. That is crazy. Why would you even repeat that? You as an attorney, why would you do that? Oh, my God. I can't get away from y'all.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, it was like a, a, an accusation of attempted sexual assault.
2: And everybody's like, well, is wrong. And I'm like, no, absolutely not. The, the show in yeah. Bravo should not have aired it. Right. That should not be on air. What if somebody didn't watch the finale to find out that wasn't the truth. Like, right. that's a really screwed up thing to even put in the universe about a human. Definitely. And and it's Bravo that did it. It's the production company that did it. And I think that's the thing I want to send home. That like, okay, I appreciate what I said to Stephen was horrific. Horrific. I was super angry. Totally wrong. But I stand behind the, the fact that I did not take him out of the closet. MTV could have aired whatever they right. wanted to. Right. They made a conscious choice right. to keep that in. And I think that's one of the things that people really need to understand. That they put the cast in situations that will create really high tensions. And, I mean, obviously, if, if you'd seen the, the lead up to it, he'd been calling me the B word for days. Um, of course, nobody online is ever like... He called her a bitch, and she's not a bitch. Nobody says right. that. Like When
1: um, you were saying he was, like, sending really mean pages or text messages. Yeah, but also of. it
2: was a very homophobic household I lived in. So it was just much more me being, like, I was, ve- you know, because it's military guys, and they're very machismo. And so I was just sort of, like, against the whole, like, I was like, you can't say the F word, you know. Yeah. Like, you guys shouldn't be talking like this. And I think, like, to fit in, I feel like Stephen was saying things where I was like, it's not cool to talk about people that way. You know, and they didn't air things that, if they had, would have skewed the show. For example, in Nepal, some of the cast people were just, like, calling the Nepalese people. This is when I decided to leave shortly after Nepal. They were just like, call them Habib, they'll answer. That's horrifying to say. Horrifying. Yeah. And I I went crazy. Not crazy, but, like, I got said to the camera people, you know, let me explain. You know, because they were young, too. But I was like, you can't go into another country. Right. And treat people this way. And um, the Nepal trip was really hard for me because the crew was, like, running after people. They do open funerals, um, which is very healthy, unlike here in America where we bury people, we "Mm." dress in black, and then we go to therapy quietly for a year. You know, in there, it's just much uh, more—it's, like, a different custom. Um, And they were, like, running after this funeral to get the footage. And I was just like— you're disgusting, right? And there's
1: people who have, haven't agreed to be a part of this in any right. way. Right.
2: I was just very sad. I, I think I went into it thinking like this will be fun, and yeah. I get along with people, and then I was just very sad, and I felt very trapped. I think that was the other thing that that's hard for people to understand now, but like back then, leaving a show was not an option. Right. There's no internet. You have to remember, there's no internet. There's no comeback I could have, like, of, like, way to say what was going on. I certainly didn't know at the time Stephen was going to steal all my crap, including my teddy bear. And So that yeah.
1: happened just like he just producers egged him on to do that? or yeah, I have no idea how it happened. <gasps>
2: Woo! Is this yours? I told you he stole it. <laughs> my stuffed animal. He took it the other night in the temper tantrum. So I was just trying to explain to him that he'd be a lot less angry in life. He would just admit to himself. I have no idea what possessed him. I have no idea. But I know he took more than just my teddy bear, you know. And that was the night I decided, like, I'm just out of here. Yeah. Like, I'm not giving them a fight. Which is actually, like, such a healthy
1: healthy reaction to be like, I'm going to extricate myself from this.
2: And I did. I was very nice to the cast. I just said, please, in your interviews, whatever you do— I need you to promise me you're not going to answer their questions. Just please, for me, don't answer their questions. Like, I need you to just have them have to show yeah. that this show is not art. And oddly, they left that in where I said art shouldn't hurt. And It's not art and it's, not, art and it's not
1: reality. So it's, you know, what is right, it? Right, but I
2: think at the time I thought it was going to be. I thought it was, gonna yeah. thought it was just going to be fun. Like, I'm not used to fighting with people or... And even, like, Nathan and I, we got along so well. And we still get along. But because the plot line was something's going to happen between Nathan and Irene. Yeah. He had to distance himself from yeah. me because remember, he had like, a girlfriend. I remember, the episode his girlfriend
1: came. It was, like, a weird thing where he was being very rude to yeah. you.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, because, like, of course. Because right. he found out, like, in everybody's interview, they're trying to, like, make it look like something, you know. And yeah. it was just— it's just very uncool. Like it was just very
1: mean. Yeah, that's. It sounds like you guys are lab rats, kind of. And it's. I don't know.
2: But I also think everybody wanted a career in entertainment, yeah. and I'm not even excluding myself in that when I say that.
1: Again, I thought it was like a cool thing to do.
2: Oh, it was super point, cool. Up until a point, I think
1: probably like then I had like a turning point where I was like, oh, this sounds like a nightmare. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah. No, of course. Of course. Yeah. I mean, it was it it did. It was cool back then. I right. mean, it was like your only way in. And I think, I, you know, you think it's going to lead to things. And the other thing is they have tons of footage on you. Yeah. And so the cast members would be like, Irene, don't talk about the camera because that's pissing them off. And then that's pissing them off. So everybody just sort of started to distance themselves with me because I just sort of figured the trick out, which yeah. was to talk about the process.
1: Yeah. And then they're just like, we can't use this at all. And then they
2: just stopped filming. And then the cast really got mad at me because...
1: They still wanted to be on camera.
2: Yeah. And at one point, I remember they stopped all filming. They had a director come out and they tried to... Because Nathan and I were like, this is not cool. Nathan was totally with me on the fact that, like, these interviews were uncool. (laughs) Yeah. And David, too, you know. And Rebecca, certainly, but she was just younger. So she kind of just didn't care and went with it. Yeah. But they sat us all down. They stopped filming entirely. And I said to them, you know, if you're going to film this and keep it real, you should be filming you talking to us. And, And an assistant director came out and filmed that scene. And as he did, the director was like, you get that camera out of here right now. Oh, my God. Yeah. There was no breaking the fourth wall, which is interesting because I was watching 16 and Pregnant. Uh, recently, where they have the producers on air now, talking to—it's just such a different landscape. It's yeah. just, uh, yeah, and it's still a fake veneer, right? It's still like, okay, we're going to show the producer, we're going to show these questions, but the edit—the real power is in the edit, definitely.
1: Well, I mean, it's—I think it is that thing where viewers are more accepting of, like, well, reality TV isn't real anyway, so there's no harm in it, right? Like, that's kind of the story that you tell yourself. But there is, I mean, people do get hurt as, you know, we were talking about the real world Atlanta housewives and that type of thing where.
2: Yeah. I mean, Stephen really hit me. Yeah. Like it hurt. I had his handprint on my face. Like it, yeah. it looked, they made it look like it wasn't that, you know, bad. Or I guess I laughed because I was in shock. But I, I actually I remember crying.
1: Very much empathized with that reaction of like, the like,
2: <laughs> like, this is so crazy. <laughs> um,
1: I mean, so let's talk about that a little bit where I uh, thinking about that scene which, like, again, MTV plays over and over again. They yeah. call it the slap herd around the world. Yeah. Um, it seems like something that people would respond to so differently now, where it's, like, one, like, you telling Steven that he's gay when he's not out, mm-hmm. and two, him hitting a woman in the face. Like, I don't doubt that MTV would air that, but I have to imagine that there would be backlash to it now, whereas... Then it was, like, considered just, like, entertaining. Like,
2: Irene got hit in the face. You know, Steven was just being such a bully when I left. He yeah. was just Some, really I mean, I bullying remember that. me, bullying me, stole all my stuff. And it was just like, you know, I have a daughter now, and she takes this bunny everywhere. And yeah. it's, like, her thing. And so, like, now that I have a daughter with her thing, I look at him taking my stuffed animal, and I'm like, that's horrible. It's just so weird. <laughs> It's also so cruel because right. I asked him back. Like, in some ways, it seems horrible, but it's also just like, you don't take a, like, come right. on, dude. And he just couldn't
1: be kind.
2: He just couldn't, you know.
1: He wouldn't give you your thing back when there's no reason Yeah, and to the keep other it. stuff,
2: it was like, fine, keep my jacket. Like, keep whatever else you got. I don't, I don't know, but like, just.
1: Yeah, I mean, so at that point, it's like, you. Have been kind of pushed to your brink. You're also sick on top of everything. And I'm
2: yeah, yeah. And I I definitely think I mean I definitely did not leave the show because of Lyme disease, and the show definitely did not help my Lyme disease. Just in the same way that Pedro, when he had AIDS on that show, got very, very sick, much more sick during the filming. It's it's just a very stressful environment.
1: Yeah, and Um, I think probably a lot of people. I mean, not to justify it, but a lot of people would say things that they wouldn't say in normal life or even I mean, think in normal life. Yeah,
2: I mean, I, I've never been used to being called like a— I've never had somebody steal something from me. I've never been verbally abused that way. Yeah. And, you know, I I don't think I've ever been so mad at somebody in my life either. Yeah. <laughs> where, where to me it was just so obvious that we're getting set up. Yeah. That it was just like, come on. Right. I mean, use your noggin here. Like, this is all— Like, also, it was a very interesting thing because the cast was mad I was leaving. Right. And that's never really talked about it. But it's an interesting concept because if you had a roommate in New York and you don't like them and they want to move out, it's like, hallelujah. Right. And and they should have just been like, leave. But it's very set up like a cult. It's very set up. You have no, you know, you're a team. You're in it together.
1: But at the same time, like, don't trust each other. But don't don't trust each other. you know, be suspicious of one another.
2: Right. Yeah. So it's almost like like I did see a lawyer and after and um, obviously he didn't take the case and I didn't do anything. I didn't really have the money or resources right. and my parents were like, you just need to get over it. But he was like, I think we would have to try it as like an occult yeah. because that's what's happening. like the directors have all the power they don't talk to you much. you're limited with resources. all information's coming from one source. and it kind of in some ways, has the similar stirring pot effect of that. Definitely.
1: You have alluded to watching some reality TV now. Mm -hmm. Uh, How do you get through that as someone who has been through it?
2: You know, some people recover from reality TV and therapy. I actually studied it. So I did one thing on um, alcohol use in reality television. Yeah. Because up until that point, alcohol use would be a character had a problem. Characters got around the problem and solved the problem. And... Reality TV allowed for this place where you could see people drinking. You knew they were drinking. And it's sort of all the time. And so I I did it for the real world. I analyzed an entire season. And the shows ran 22 minutes. And on average, people were seen drinking or using the word drunk. So it's it's the symbols. Like I couldn't prove at some points when you saw a clear glass that it was alcohol. So 18 out of 22 of the minutes. Wow. 18 out of and it, that's incredible to think about yeah. because it's geared towards 11-year-olds right. and 14-year-olds and 18 of the 22 minutes people are seen drunk. Yeah. It's also crazy to me now how much sex is shown or implied. Right. You know, but the odd offshoot of me doing all that research <laughs> Was then I oddly got into the shows because yeah. the way they're constructed, you kind of get into them. And then I, you know, didn't have a TV for many years after that. Um, well, my place burned down on a fire, so that sort of helped with everything. I right. just lost Ooh, every, you're just every free item. from of material everything. possessions. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, how
1: spiritually how spiritu-
2: clean! I know people would say the shittiest things because I was in San Francisco at the uh. time. So oddly, they were like, "Oh, Irene lost everything." you know, and I'd get like clothes for Burning Man, and I'm like, "No." <laughs> I don't want to. I don't need more glitter, yeah, right. like or furry pants. Like I did, I got furry pants, <laughs> or I got people's skinny clothes. Yeah, like the only good name brand clothes were like skinny jeans that girls don't fit into, and yeah. it's like you go through a fire and you feel fat. Like it was yeah, just you're like I've been too much. Yeah, so uh, you know now I, I guess I started watching it because. Um, how do you not now? It's on all these stations. Yeah. and that's um, what most shows are. Yeah, I didn't even have a TV most of the time in New York. But then, you know, you have a baby and you're home a lot. And I ended up now with cable and it's just on.
1: Yeah, I find so, that very refreshing to hear from you just as someone who, like, I watch so much reality TV. And, again, I think I'm a really savvy viewer, but then I also feel a little bit gross about it. I don't know. It's like, but if Irene does it, I can do it.
2: Yeah. You know, it's an interesting Catch-22, right? Like, I look at The Real Housewives and I'm like, having experienced reality TV, it's hard for me to understand why anybody would put themselves in that environment. But then also, because these are repetitive cast members, meaning they go back every year and every year and every year, maybe they don't care. Yeah. Like, for me, it was like, I would never go back. But I, I wonder if the way these shows with these I wonder if, I mean, I I think, I wonder if the plot lines are much more set up and agreed to.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can, like, hear the Frankenbiting, like, which is when they basically add words in after the fact that it's been filmed or, like, recreate sentences by taking different words that you've said. And you can definitely hear that a lot where it's, like, Mm -hmm. suddenly you'll hear Sonia Morgan's voice much clearer than it should be just being like, so, Ramona, tell me what happened at boutique you know or whatever yeah.
2: i mean the interesting thing about the real housewives to me is how much of the edit is in the interview and it's much less in like the cast dynamics right you know it's not like they show like like the real world was or i feel like it was much more you saw much more thing you know when, when i started doing my one person show i had to re-watch it if you saw my season now you can come over and watch it. it's on my computer it's really boring. You'd be yeah. like, I how is this on TV? But that's also why it seems so real. Right. I think that's why people liked it. Like that, but now it's there's like this level of detachment we have because we're like, you take five upper west side ladies, are they really gonna just get into a cat fight? Yeah. You know? I don't know but probably not. Right. Like in public, like, (laughs) you know, so that to me, it's just an interest. I mean, I don't know. How does it net out on you? Like,
1: um, I mean, I think with those women, I think they genuinely like it. I think they like being on television. I think that they, Mm -hmm. they know what their jobs are, which is like, if this season is going to be about the countess fighting with Bethany, they know how to do that. And where it falls apart is when they stop being willing to do it, when they're just like, we're not going to film with that person. And that's when the show gets messy.
2: Which is very interesting, right? Like, that's the interesting dynamic in The Real Housewives, how, like, somebody who's in good favor can fall out of favor because the whole cast can turn on them, and then they just have to cast somebody new. Yeah. I have to tell you, the show that kind of makes me the grossest, I think, which is oddly on the History Channel, is... Alone, have you heard of it?
0: Mm-mm.
2: You get sent alone in the woods Mm-mm. with a camera, and you just have to survive. And they put you in like these really random, not nice. Well, you like this is no survivor. Like there's no sun. It's like raining, right? And like beach, these people yeah. like starve to death, and let I me mean, not to death, but that is the show I feel the dirtiest watching. But also, like you have to make compromises in relationships, yeah, <laughs> and. Yeah. and Like those shows to me, it's like just the fact that they're on the history channel, and like, there's or they're considered so, like, we're showing how real hardcore camping is. And it's like, no, you're showing what it's like if you get lost camping. Right.
1: (laughs) Most people who camp bring supplies, yeah,
2: and people, (laughs) people are those supplies. Most people aren't like, ah, check you guys later. I'm going to take a sabbatical for. Not going to tell you when. Yeah, right? Even I, until either my body quits out or another player taps out.
1: <laughs> oh, my God.
2: And, like, there's a, there's wolves and bears. I was just charged by a bear. Uh, I said, uh, hey, bear. And it just keeps on coming at me. I'm scared. I don't know where he is. He could be into the woods circling behind me. I hear something out there. And I don't think they're getting paid anything. I mean, they have to probably get paid the way the real world is um, right? Some from time thing. on air. It's just crazy. I mean, just the fact that they're showing plastic surgery on TV is crazy. Yeah.
1: That I kind of appreciate in a weird way in that I feel like, yeah, like, this is what these people look like. But also, like, look, they don't look like that. Like, look at—I don't know. The fact that I've seen the inside of Chris Jenner's face— really grounds chris jenner for
2: me that's funny that's a great line
1: it's true though she gets hilarious disgusting it just looks like mac and cheese i don't
2: know that's an amazing line yeah it's true but it just shows how deep the pain goes yeah definitely and like we can just sit there and eat our tuna sandwich or like do whatever and just i mean it sort of um makes me question like what the next generation is going to be like, because there's no way to hide them from anything more. Well, and it's like they kind of
1: do it themselves, or it's like you put your own videos online, you do all this stuff now, or everybody's living so publicly.
2: Right. It's also interesting to me that as far as reality television has come in some ways, and almost every station has some sort of show, if not many shows, It's still the lowest on the totem pole. (laughs) Yeah, right? It's Like nobody really wants to say they watch. And it's like almost the porn of television. Totally. It's like in the back room of Blockbuster. Like you're never going to put on your Facebook profile that those are your favorite shows. It's like people's dirty secret.
1: (laughs) Yeah, everybody's doing it. Thank you so much for listening to DirtCast. And thank you to Megan Reynolds and Irene McGee. Our show is produced by Levi Sharp with editorial oversight by Kate Dries. Monana Mofidi is our executive director of audio. Our theme music is by Stuart Wood. This episode was mixed by Brad Fisher. Want to send us a tip or just let us know what you think? Hit us up at DirtCast at Jezebel.com. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts.